how's the uh, podcasting business going? Um, it's good. I'm actually I'm I'm in the middle of of finishing up our latest episode for that pop this life, and and Very posting cool. it soon as soon as I'm done here. Yeah, I've got to re- record one right after, and then put that one up, and then put this one up tomorrow. So, oh yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. you're so busy. You're like, you're such an inspiration. Oh, um, <laughs> right? Uh, yes. Please, please do not say that. That's that's really, really depressing. <laughs> Dearly beloved friends, we gather here. In this time of man's great innocence. Innocence? Innocence? No? So, joining me once again, we have two unfortunate souls who decided to come back on the podcast. <laughs> Carly of Core Temp Arts and Natasha of Kentucky Geek Girl. Thank you both for deciding to come back. I'm shocked. Thanks for having us. I guess we're yeah, glutton for pun- so punishments, right? I guess so. I guess. And this is the first time we've been on together, so this is, this there you is go. awesome. So that, yeah. that's that's what you both are hoping for, is that the other guests will, will make this more palatable. So <laughs> I'll try to be quiet and let you all talk Jane Austen, and I'll just I'll just be like the dude that's like, it's about girls, right? I think. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> I, was, I was hoping to take that role tonight, but okay. <laughs> I guess you can do it. I'm, I'm calling shotgun on that, so. Fine, 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 fine. All right, well, Carly, why don't you start us off? Uh, if people missed, I think your last appearance was on our concussion episode so if they miss that tell people what you do online where they can find it and where they can interact with you yes actually i was on the sisters episode as i was gushing in a, a ridiculous fool i know i um, listened to that that was that was also a better movie so yeah go, go check out the sisters episode so i can right. me, and, me and carly were not really fans of the new will smith movie no we weren't um but i am carly of core temp arts uh i host two podcasts over there um one is a pop culture podcast called that pop this life the other is a tv podcast where we talk about shonda rhimes's tv shows Grey's anatomy scandal how to get away with murder the new one coming up in march called the catch and that one is called um talking shondaland you can find them both on courttemparts.com and on itunes and on stitcher and i'm also on um I'm on Twitter at Carly Vision with a K. Sorry, I completely forgot where I was. I was it's like, okay I'm to on, forget about. I'm Twitter. on everywhere. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you don't want those mentions. Sometimes you don't want those notifications. So that that's totally cool. Oh, I don't. I'm not as crotchety as you, Mike. <laughs> Nobody is. I don't, I don't mind. I don't mind the notifications. <laughs> <laughs> Natasha, what about yourself? You are a, a longtime blogger, and your podcast recently came back. I believe last yeah, fall and winter. Yes. It awesome. did. Um, so uh, a blog at KentuckyGeekGirl.com. So I'm um, looking at geek life in in Kentucky specifically, but I also do reviews and things like that. Um, you can find me at on Facebook. I have all of those links on, on the blog at uh, KentuckyGeekGirl.com. But yes, um, after a bit of a hiatus, um, my podcast, The Rad Ass Bitches, has returned, and actually, uh, we're, we're, uh, need to. I have a couple of weeks of backlog that I need to get up, but um, but yeah. So my uh, roommate and uh, longtime friend and I just kind of talk about life, love, and uh, the pursuit of geekiness, as it were. So we started out as the Eclectic Geek Podcast, and it was you know very kind of niche. Um, but we, we've, we've kind of expanded our scope and, and now we kind of talk about everything. We're still eclectic, but eclectic in the broader sense. <laughs> so, but it's, it's fun. Uh, it's, um, pod, we're on Podbean, podbean.com slash the RAB girls and all of our, all of our social media is under the RAB girls. So check us out. <laughs> nice. That's an awesome title for your podcast. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> It was it was pretty bold. We weren't sure how it would be received, but everyone has real has received it really warmly. So yeah, you got to yeah. own it, and that's cool. Yeah, absolutely. Got to sneak that past uh, iTunes. That was actually the original title of our show, oh, but yeah. we uh, we couldn't pull it off. Mm. So Natasha carried the, that torch we'll for to. us. <laughs> 
All right. Well, that's, that's cool. So, um, we're going to get to a particular, you know, uh, subject matter, I guess, in the world of entertainment that I'm not too familiar with. So I'm hoping at least one of you can sort of have that sort of focus here on Jane Austen, because that is going to be the theme of this episode where we see her work sort of transported to different either genres or time periods. I don't know why Dion's going out with a high school boy. They're like dogs. You have to clean them and feed them and... They're just like these nervous creatures that jump and slobber all over you. Ew! Get off of me! Ugh, as if! Oh, Jane! Oh, I'm so sorry. You know, I know how it feels to be treated badly by stupid men. I really do. Jane, come on. Give me a hug. Well, at least it's not going to happen at this place. Besides, you'll feel totally different tomorrow. Think about all the people in the world that hang themselves. And then the next day, they feel different. But there's nothing they can do about it. Don't hang yourself, Jane. Mm-hmm. Anyway, if you need anything, just call me. I'm right down the hall. Well, actually, I'm not right down the hall because you're in the servant's wing. And you're, you're in the creepy tower. Should all oppressed people be allowed refuge in America? Amber will take the comp position. Cher will be pro. Cher, two minutes. So, okay. Like right now, for example, the Hadians need to come to America. But some people are all, what about the strain on our resources? But it's like when I had this garden party for my father's birthday, right? I said RSVP because it was a sit-down dinner. But people came that, like, did not RSVP. So I was, like, totally bugging. I had to haul ass to the kitchen, redistribute the food, squish in extra place settings. But by the end of the day, it was like, the more, the merrier. And so, if the government could just get to the kitchen, rearrange some things, we could certainly party with the Hadians. And in conclusion, may I please remind you that it does not say RSVP on the Statue of Liberty. Thank you very much. Perhaps I don't find the conversation of women to be stimulating. Oh, I just can't imagine why you're still single. Don't say ring on your finger. Nobly. No, 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 it's all right. I asked for it. I am single because apparently the only good men are fictional. <laughs> oh, and you think that there's any good women out there? Yeah, no, no, no. They, they profess honesty and fidelity, and then while you're away lecturing in Switzerland, they run off to Brazil with your mate. Get on with the game, you old windbag. All right, so I think uh, we'll, we'll move on into uh, two prior... Uh, versions of Jane Austen's work being you know, put into different time periods, different worlds. Uh, Clueless, which uh, was uh, may have been dated uh, the month it came out with some of its lingo in the <laughs> mid '90s. I don't know. I, it's you so know, 90s. I, I'm assuming you know Natasha myself grew up in the Kentucky area, so I can't say I ever had that sort of experience with kids around that time period. We were we were behind the the times there. Uh, and then Austin Land, I've also not had the pleasure yet of going to uh, sort of this uh, almost fantasy camp where you can go live in that world for a short period of time. So we're going to look at these two films and uh, see which one kind of works better for us. Great. So uh, Clueless, I'm assuming all of us had some experience with. It's become like a, I don't want to say a cult classic because I think it was, it was very successful the year it came out. But uh, it's one that I think is... Uh, held up in esteem. People kind of look back fondly on this uh, 1995 film. So we'll start with uh, Natasha. What was your experience with Clueless? Did you watch it when you were much younger? Did you catch up years later? Oh, no. I definitely watched it when I was much younger. I also watched the very short-lived television series. They replace (laughs) Miss Silverstone. How dare they? And Brittany Murphy. That's that's the biggest thing to me. I know. But but in a weird weird way, I still think it kind of worked. Um, but yeah, I love Clueless. I love I and and rewatching it this weekend, it just kind of reaffirmed my love for the movie <laughs> as kind of this cultural touchstone. Like this is exactly for if I uh, maybe maybe not maybe maybe not. But if you if you lived in if you were in high school in the mid nineties and you lived in California, you were experiencing like this kind of fun in the sun sort of. 
you know, valley, like, oh, if you take the freeway to blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I mean, you know, in, in, in Lexington, like, oh, if you take New Circle to Man of War, blah, 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 you know, all of, like all of these things, I guess it kind of works. But, you know, it's it's definitely like this nice cultural reflection of the way we think about California and about, um, you know, about being a teenager. So I, and, and it's based on Emma, which is not a Jane Austen book that I'm terribly familiar with, but it like reading about it, it makes total sense. So. Yeah. I'm only familiar in the sense I know Gwyneth Paltrow was in a movie, I think a couple (laughs) years after that called Emma. So Um, what about yourself, Carly, your experience with Clueless? Oh, I remember seeing Clueless. I I think I actually went to the theaters to see it. I was 15 when it came out and um and being really excited with it and insanely loving this movie. And as I was watching it this week uh to prepare for the show, I'm like I was like, "All right, I'm going to sit and I hope that it holds up because I hadn't seen it since." And I I also watched the TV show which I enjoyed very much. And um and watching it I was just like it totally holds up, except that it feels so dated. So the references and the clothing and everything feels like a like a little, you know, time capsule that I opened this week um, for, you know, the mid 90s. But other than that, um, the movie is still just as enjoyable as it was uh, when I saw it when I was a teenager and maybe even more so because maybe I get some things better now <laughs> than I did back then. So, oh, same. yeah, you know, so it's just... I I I'm a huge fan of of Clueless and Amy Heckerling who who wrote and directed it. Um, a huge fan of hers too. So Clueless is the shit. I, I'm a little upset. I don't think she had a, uh, a 2000s uh, hit where she sort of put her her stamp on the uh, I guess the the high school comedy like she did with no. uh, Fast Times or Ridgemont uh, High in the 80s right. and Clueless in the in the 90s. So that's uh, of course it's impressive to have that sort of wide span and still be able to come back to this, this genre that you popularized and, uh, and, and do it in a different way. What I'd forgotten about it was how nice everyone is. Like our, I'd say our, <laughs> our worst character, or I guess there's two of them. Um, you have Amber, which is like the, the, yeah. the redhead that's always, uh, trying to undercut share Alicia Silverstone's character. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even that seems like they still hang out. Like, I don't right, know. Right, they're there's, still friends. Yeah, there's a, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they, they... Frenemies. Yeah, yeah, okay, that would be the... I don't know if that word was around then, but sure. Well, no. no. Yeah, now it would be. <laughs> um, and then you have uh, Jeremy Sisto, who has, I guess, the yeah. the biggest sin he has is that he, he leaves Cher in a, you know, what we're led to believe is a pretty bad neighborhood, and then as soon as, like, we're like, hey, maybe this isn't the best spot to be hanging out, she's robbed at gunpoint. Um but also robbed by a guy who seems relatively nice for a gun carrying purse snatcher. Like, so I I'd forgotten like just how, even with those sort of incidents, they never really get into too much sort of teenage angst or drama like share. And maybe that's because they're, they're adapting Emma. She's somewhat immune from too much in the way of troubles. Uh, the biggest falling out she has is with the character Ty later with Brittany Murphy, which I, I love because for someone who's had a pretty pleasant existence up to that point, uh, you know, the biggest thing you could say to her is that she's a virgin who can't drive. Right. And it's like almost, I mean, <laughs> that's that so, such an insult. it is so cutting to her and it's all over Silverstone's face. And that, yes. that that's a way harsh tie. I mean, it to, that still works for me. <laughs> I, I find that, I mean, you're not supposed to be laughing at share there, but I find it almost cute that it's like, that was the response. That's way harsh. Uh, so I just, I found it uh, just extremely pleasant to sort of live in this world for two hours. And I, I'd forgotten that and I'd seen it a number of times when I was a teenager, like and when it was on TV, I would watch mm-hmm. and I would just kind of enjoy mm-hmm. Paul Rudd and Silverstone's sort of chemistry together. But yeah, I just, I think that for it to be a, you know, 90 minute comedy, I mean, pretty much from beginning to end, I don't think there's a false note here. It's about as perfect as you can get, I think for a teen comedy. I'm waiting, Natasha, for you to jump, to jump in on Paul Rudd. I threw out his name there and <laughs> Natasha, didn't, she didn't take the bait at all. I'm I know, shocked. I know. I know. <laughs> Go um, ahead, Carly. <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say. No, I think that I guess you could call it a teen comedy because it deals, you know, is it has teenagers in it. But 
I almost don't see it that way. Like, I, it's just a straight up really good comedy, a really good film with with great beats and, and fantastic performances. Like you mentioned, Alicia Silverstone. I think you can, you almost can't picture anyone else playing Cher in the movie, and she was just pitched perfect, like pitched perfect. Um, and I believe her name was Rachel Blanchard, who who uh, reprised the role for the TV show. I could be wrong, Natasha. I don't know. You could check me, mm-hmm. but um, uh, but I think. <laughs> but there was something about um, the, uh, I don't know, na- naiveness that Cher, that Alicia Silverstone brought to to Cher that made it work. You know, so when in that in that moment uh, that you're talking about, Mike, when she when her response was way harsh, you know, it's just like, what what else is she going to say? That that is exactly who Cher was. She wasn't mm-hmm. a mean spirited person. There wasn't um, anything in her character that that would. Um, inform her to to be anything but you know um, someone who who just sees the best in in people mm-hmm. and and would want people to see the best in her, which which you see throughout the film, and and I think Alicia Silverstone played it just just perfectly. So so great, and and everything she does, she's doing you know like taking Ty under her wing. For example, I mean, she's doing that so she can, you know, so she can help, so she can help because she sees this, you know, new, new student and wants to, you know, make it, make a difference, you know, and, 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 you know, really score some, some, score some good karma points, but also just, you know, to do something nice for, for humanity. And she thinks that this, that if she does this, like, that's her like that's her legacy. That's her, you know, something that she can leave is is kind of building building this um, the person up in in the eyes of society. And then there's this like slight role reversal where she feels like, oh, well, Ty's just become super popular, and you know, what have I done? I've created a, almost kind of a Mean Girls sort of thing. But um, yeah, but I love no, the I, I love I just, the way they play that too because yeah. the worst I think the worst thing Cher does throughout the film is through the Brecken Meyer character of Travis yes. who yes. takes a genuine interest in Ty. Like they mm-hmm. you can tell they're they're both into art and uh you know the way Ty dresses seems to be more in line with that sort of mm-hmm. like that grunge scene that he's in at that time and uh he seems genuine with his sort of affections for her and and shares kind of blind to it. And I don't think she's over the line cruel like you said i don't think she's a mean girl to travis but she's like she's basically just blocking that from having a chance pushing her toward elton more than more than travis just because it's because of the status element i think that but um once once she kind of makes the connection and understands who ty is that and and how they fit how she and travis would fit much better together um, the, and, and also the whole, the, you know, being scared that, you know, she was like super into Josh and, and stuff too. And then once she realizes <laughs> like how she feels, but yes. Yeah, so Paul Rudd was amazing. There we go. Here we go. And right. I, Carly, and, just set your honestly, microphone down. Let's just, think, let's leave the room for 10 minutes. Natasha talks about Paul I honestly think that Paul Rudd has a portrait in his attic <laughs> because like he has not aged in yep. 20 years, like literally not aged. Like he looks exactly the same. Yeah, I actually like, said that I, to, I uh, to Brittany. I was yeah. looking. I was like, "Damn, that's oh, a- you, well, yeah, better. Like, like, like a fine, like a fine wine, really. <laughs> but still, like he looks. I mean, you know, you can you look at somebody in, in in a movie that they did twenty years ago, and you can still tell. You can tell that they've. Like no, he looks. I mean, just everything about him is exactly the same, and I just love it so much. So, and yes, he also dances yeah. really well. I want, you know, that's, that's the thing that I wanted to focus on the most is his dancing (laughs) because a long time ago when we started this podcast, we did uh, Romeo and Juliet. I I think we did it for like the fault in our stars episode. And we probably spent a good 10 minutes on Paul Rudd's uh, astronaut dance sequence where he's like trying to woo Claire Danes. And of course she's she's, like (laughs) looking through the, through the tank at Leo. So, so beautiful. But we were like, just like enthralled with Paul Rudd dressed up as an astronaut at this costume party and doing all these fancy moves. I, I could do a whole podcast Mm -hmm. on just Paul Rudd's dance sequences. So I'm hoping he just continues (laughs) to do that. He's just phenomenal. And each and every one of them. No, he's fantastic. I remember, seeing clueless and just being so in 
in awe and enthralled and having like this huge crush on Paul Rudd. And then my friends and I went to see Romeo and Juliet, which I think it was later that year um, mm-hmm. or the next year. And, and I was, and everyone's just like, Oh my God, Leo's so dreamy. And I'm just like, Leo, what about Paul Rudd? And, and people just looked at me like I was completely ridiculous. So I've been, you know, I've been kind of following him. And now as he's getting, you know, for the past like 10 years, as he's been getting popular, you know, I, I go back to my friends and I'm just like, you see, and I'm, and I was the crazy one back then. Sure. I knew what I was doing. Also would have um, caused a lot less bloodshed. If, if Claire Danes had just stuck with Paul Rudd, right. Nobody gets That's killed. It. So I know. And he was completely adorable in both <laughs> movies, actually. Anyways, this is not the Paul Rudd podcast, but uh Well it can be. I think we could start. We can. <laughs> yeah, we should. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um but no, I he's completely and utterly charming in Clueless. And and again, I don't I'm not sure whoever cast this movie, but kudos to them because like I said, everyone really fit really nicely in that pocket. Um, where these characters needed to be and and then just made the movie kind of pop even more or maybe that's you know a good um indication of how great amy heckerlin is mm-hmm. at not only writing a screenplay but also as uh, as a director and especially directing younger uh younger folks right because i think there's a tendency with young actors if they've sort of been in the business like i think uh silverstone had been like shooting commercials since she was like i don't know five or six and uh then Brittany murphy here i think was like actually like 15 years old or something like when she so she it's the rare time where you have a high school student being played by a high school student and not like a 35 year old on glee like you know this <laughs> got gray hair and you know has already gone through his midlife crisis right. uh, there is a special talent there because i think with younger actors it can come off as a little too stagey and precocious as far as they kind of go to those like the the charming quirks but they're not you know it's hard to portray a life experience that you've probably not had as a child actor and so having these type of problems which maybe with clueless it is helped by the fact that they're playing you know very you know they're playing the one percent you know high school students it's it's ones that most of us probably can't relate to uh which i also think is played really well by uh, Dan Hedaya, the uh, as Mel as Cher's father. I love their their relationship because it it's you know they they play it very funny, but it's also very honest. Where it, it makes sense that he he would be encouraging of Cher's uh, ability to shape things in her own interests. Like he's right. because right. to him that just shows that she's like you you know just using her wits. Like yes, okay, maybe she's not entirely book smart, but he's more impressed that she's able to you know, take care of things in a, in a sort of her own own way. And I guess that's where, uh, Natasha, you were talking about uh, Emma. That's the most they take from from that, mm-hmm. is that is that she tries to make everyone else around her sort of in, in the image she would like to see, sort of that, like, oh, I know what can make them happy, so I'm going to do this right. for them. Um, and that's that's difficult. I think it's really difficult to make a character like that likable because it could just be like, wow, this is one overbearing girl. Like, won't she? Why doesn't she just mind her own business? Like, why is she? <laughs> but I do think somehow they avoid those those trappings, and it's Silverstone's performance, it's Heckerling's direction. That I never am looking at Cher and saying that she just needs to like stay out of things. Like, I do truly believe she has everyone's best interests at heart. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, and I think you know make the world a better place. No, definitely. And the thing is that. In the in the film, if we didn't have her world kind of uh, blow up, right? She lives in this bubble, and that's what she knows, and that's and she is this person because of this bubble that she lives in. And throughout the movie, this this bubble is you know slowly being uh, ripped open. And if that hadn't happened in the movie, then you're just like this girl is just you know she'll never learn. But the whole thing is that she does learn. So the the her world exploding and 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 now her being more conscious of how she affects people or or what she has done in the past for example how she treated the character of Travis you know that i think adds to to her likability in a way you know overall <clears throat> and of course the performances but i think in 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 terms of the story that for me that's what added more to to me, enjoying her character. I want to switch gears to to Austin Land because you, Carla, <laughs> you kind of led me into that transition with living in a bubble, which yeah. 
um the, the problem yeah you're i mean you're you're basically the, the host of the show i just you know <laughs> i just kidding. i just show up every week and i'm like well, where's carly <laughs> shit i'm gonna host this carly didn't show up all right um so carrie russell's playing jane who she's accused by her friend of uh living in a bubble of sort of expectations basically of being obsessed mm-hmm. with uh, Pride and Prejudice in particular and Jane Austen's work and sort of having that expectation that that's how her life is going to go, like a, like one of those stories. And she's going to meet you know, her own Mr. Darcy. And they they have a challenge, which I don't think they really focus on too much in the film. They, you know, It's sort of this bet that just kind of pushes her no. into – it just pushes her to Austen land so as quickly as possible. And I, I actually watched this one twice because I had a commentary track, and apparently there was a lot on the cutting room floor – uh, which unfortunately is not on the the Blu-ray that I was watching those deleted scenes, but it would have been interesting that there was a lot more of that. But they decided that since the film was called Austin Land and is a comedy, to pick up the pace, let's just get there as fast as possible. Right. So then she, you know, she pays to live in that bubble, to live in a fantasy world. And the what's really interesting about the film is, you know, it's also, it's very funny because you you get to see. Uh, you know, comedians like Brett McKenzie and Jennifer Coolidge, um, sort of playing the inside outside aspect of that as a, as a client and an actor, mm-hmm. but that, you know, once she gets there and she starts to have her fantasy fulfilled where she has these suitors, uh, she has her Darcy and she has, uh, the Brett McKenzie character of Martin that it's not as fulfilling because she knows it's a fantasy. She knows she's paying for it. And I didn't realize it was going to have that sort of, uh, I guess, dramatic sort of heft to it. Because, you know, you look at the box art and I'd seen the trailer and I was like, oh, that'll be really silly and kind of throwaway. But I'm also a huge fan of Carrie Russell. So I, I really think she can play those moments without it getting too too maudlin. So um, as I said at the top of the show, I, I sort of, you know, I handed over my penis when I said that I love the romance aspects of uh, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies more. So now I'm saying that Austin Land was uh, an Oscar worthy drama so before i embarrass myself further i'm gonna hand this over to to natasha so what did you think about carrie russell as jane in austin land i thought it, i thought she was fantastic this was the first time that i'd seen it it had been on my radar as since it came out in 2013 uh but i but i never i never did see it um i actually really enjoyed the movie um thinking in terms of you know because i love Brid- i love bridget jones and I love I love those movies. Um, thinking about kind of that world and what it what it must mean to someone to to love something so much that they that they would want to kind of immerse themselves in it. Um, but I, I really enjoyed her her evolution as of a character and how you know she went from being kind of oblivious. Of any, you know, and not 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 thinking about life in in any other terms except this kind of perfect, as you know, this this perfect vision that she has. But kind of seeing toward the end and and breaking kind of breaking free from that. I love I loved to see the growth of her character and and how Jennifer Coolidge's character kind of helps her along sort of, but is also really annoying. I didn't, I didn't care for, for her character too, too terribly much, but she, she can be a lot to handle. Um, but I think it's, it's nice to see her kind of, kind of help her along the way. Um, was, was nice. Yeah. I just, yeah, really just want to interject here and say that, uh, I actually saw Jennifer Coolidge. Um, she came to Lexington, uh, for, uh, Natasha will know comedy off Broadway. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. I, so I got a chance and of course she was like, just sort of talking after the show it was an extremely nice lady. And it was really interesting to see that sort of persona that she has mm-hmm. sort of fade away. Like she obviously did it on stage, but it was just like, she, you could just see that she, that was just an act she had cultivated. And it was really weird to see her without that, <laughs> just talking like a normal human being. So, but very right. nice lady. Very, very cool. <laughs> Yeah, that's you know that's kind of her her shtick. I'm right. I'm a big fan of her from the Christopher Guest movies, and so was, I'm always excited to see her in other things. But yeah, this this her shtick is, is is funny in some things, and I'm I'm not sure if I loved it in this. I thought it was a little <laughs> too much, but and it, it had me wondering. Um, mm-hmm. it had me wondering <laughs> if this character or or a character like this existed in the 
in the Austin novel. Um, and and I didn't even look it up. I didn't even bother to look it up, so I apologize. But I was just like, how oh, she's so ridiculous. Like, I don't get it. But, you know. <laughs> I, I feel it, like it is, having her there is like having um, – because was, as we see towards the end of the film, she's a, a, a woman – of, of some you know means and mm-hmm. so it's like she she's buying the fantasy but she's also going to sort of dictate like she what i liked about her character she can't help but ruin the illusion the fantasy because right. she, she brings <laughs> in her persona which does not fit at all in a jane right. austen novel um yeah. and but i i liked it you know she's just she's sort of like the like the the bull in the china shop and so uh, what i liked about it is that she's she's the one that kind of pushes uh carrie russell like to you know, to, to make these sort of demands, like to just say, Hey, you're paying for this. You know, you, mm-hmm. you need to have your experience. Like, you know, they're, they're, they're working for you, this, this fantasy. So don't let them ruin it for you. And, um, yeah, I, I liked it. I would, I will agree though, that a little bit of Jennifer Coolidge in that persona goes a long way. So. It does, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny because she does play that role, but I think she also plays an, another role for Jane, which is, um, in a weird way, keeping Jane grounded and not getting too immersed mm-hmm. in this mm-hmm. life. Yeah, that's a good because, point. Because, you know, every time she's around her, you know, Jane kind of is just like, this is so ridiculous. This woman is so ridiculous. This whole situation is so <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> and I think it keeps Jane from not, you know, completely giving herself and losing herself um, in in this in this world, which which could be, you know, that could have turned out to be another movie. Um, so, I, so for that, I really... <laughs> Um, I, you know, I say, sure, why not to her character, to Jennifer Gluter's character. Did, uh, I know you're a fan <laughs> of Carrie Russell though, Carly. So what did you think specifically about, about her? I am. Oh goodness. I'm so, I'm not impartial. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, lo- I love Carrie Russell. I've been a fan of her since I was a, a wee girl. Um, I liked seeing her. I hadn't seen this and I've been wanting to since it came out, but I hadn't seen it until this week. And it was nice to see Carrie do, um, do something lighthearted. Cause in the, mm-hmm. for the past few years, I've been seeing her, you know, just do dramas, especially on the Americans on, on FX. Um, so it was really nice to see her kind of, um, work those chops again that, that I initially enjoyed her, um, as, but, I don't know. I thought she was insanely lovely and, and I believed her as being this kind of, um, I don't want to say wallflower, but this, but someone that really wanted, um, this romantic, you know, this Austin, uh, romances to be real. And, and I believed her wanting it and, and, and believing that it, that she can get it. And in that belief and in that want, you know, and immersing herself in, in, in Pride and Prejudice and the whole Austin thing, um, not getting it because, because of, because of wanting it so much. So I think she, she really, she really made me believe that. And I, um, and I think that that was important for the, for this movie, because if not, because if I didn't believe that, you know, that she was this, this girl, although I'm, I'm looking at her and I'm just like, really, you are gorgeous. How have you not found? <laughs> All right, fine. Um, <laughs> but you know, if right. if she didn't make me believe, it would have been hard to kind of believe the whole, the whole thing. You know, I, I feel like the ending of the film acknowledges that um, in a way that I really like because. Uh, so I guess you know, last warning if you've not seen Austin Land, because um, I'm just going to spoil the hell out of it. But she has this this great moment with with the the Mister Darcy character where he's. He's trying to convince her that he has developed true feelings for her, and he's he's you know it's not just a, a job. He's not just playing a part anymore. And she says something to the effect of you know it doesn't really matter um, if you know if you're if you're being sincere or fake. You know that you know that you were perfect. You know regardless. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, that's a really cool way to end it. You know that's that's her her arc there. Right. right. But they, they take it a little extra beat that I didn't initially like, and that he. Yeah, he chases her down. He like you know goes to her apartment, and he's he's completely shed the costume and everything. And um, I was immediately rolling my eyes, and I was like, "Oh come on!" Now she doesn't need it. You know, she doesn't need him. You know, she's already right. you know she's that's not the point of the movie. 
but then he says that you know maybe she needs to realize that she can be someone's fantasy as well in particular his mm-hmm. and i was like okay that is i was like all right so you got me there you kind of reeled <laughs> me back in i was like that is you know that's that's an extra point that i like that it's something that she had not conceived that there could be you know some gentleman caller out there that is dreaming of of jane hayes of dreaming of this particular woman and so i, I thought that was a very nice way to handle the 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 kind of stereotypical tropey rom-com ending where someone runs in and finds them again after after a breakup but i thought it was handled really well and that that was with me like i already had my sort of you know, i guess burrs up there where i was like i was immediately saying oh bullshit but then, right, I, was right. like, <laughs> then, I, then I set the remote back down i was like okay all right damn you that was pretty good uh, <laughs> see but you know it's funny that you thought that because i thought not not something similar but i was just like great so her arc ended she doesn't need this she realized this that that she's a whole person or or that she doesn't necessarily need a man or a romance or whatever to complete her she is completed and she um got what she maybe not what she set out to to get from the the experience in austin land but she got something more which is kind of um this self-assurance right so great, we got that. And then the rest was just gravy, right? The rest mm-hmm. was just gravy on top of really great mashed potatoes. And having him, you know, profess his love the way, you know, you just described was just so fantastic. It was almost like a reward for her for for doing this self-work or, you know, for, you know, for lack of a better word. So that's the, that's the way I saw it. And it, and. And I also did see it the way you did, and and it was great. But initially, I was just like, "Yeah, that's great." And she, yeah, she she did deserve it, and and this is great. And I'm glad that she got it. She got two things, right? She got the the guy, but she also got herself, and mm. you know, two for the price of one, and that's awesome. Oh, I'm glad you weren't as combative as I were with the, <laughs> with the TV, where I'm I'm like cussing at it for going on for too long, but. Uh, no, um, I was really I, surprised with this one because I, you know, coming in, I, you know, I was looking forward to rewatching Clueless, but uh, this one I had not cracked open yet. So, um, other than Carrie Russell, I, I did not, I didn't know if I'd want to be in that world for that long. Which I think you could maybe say the same thing for Clueless if it, you know, if you're if you're younger, I guess, than the three of us, and this is not some sort of classic to you you may find the poster and you'd be like, I don't want to hang out with those people for 90 minutes. Like I don't, cause it <laughs> much like Austin land. It's, it's a, it's, it might as well be Mars to me. Like as far as that, that lifestyle and the clothing and that time period, it's just a different universe. Uh, but I think both films handle it well. And they're surprisingly genuine with both, even though they're both sort of fantasy worlds. Um, yeah, it is. Uh, but something about clue is like, you're right in a way, at least you guys, um, in Kentucky, I grew up. I was born and raised in New York, um, in New York City. So, a clueless on the surface was just not my life, right? Mm-hmm. It just wasn't. Um, as much as you want it to be, it just wasn't, right? But on that's on the surface. I think on if you dig deeper, a lot of what they were talking about is just kind of like the universal um, themes and the universal ex- issues that teenagers kind of go through you know uh, your other friends who who are shaming you for being a virgin or the boy that you really like that you maybe haven't slept with you having this kind of a tumultuous relationship because maybe he wants something more than you're that you're giving you know not realizing that you really like somebody uh, or realizing it until somebody else likes him you know it's just those kind of things that make it more universal and and that's why i still think that clueless holds up um Aside from all the surface, you know, 90s and, and clothes and, and speech and all that stuff. It's, it's really just the, the themes that, that are going on and the issues that the kids are going through. Yeah, I found myself, uh, I think the only point that I could be like, okay, that's something from, from my life is uh, when Cher corrects the college student on <laughs> Hamlet because she had seen the yeah. Mel Gibson version. Yes, I'm like, yes, I get that. Right. I get that totally. Yeah, that would be yeah. my point of reference. So, yeah. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Um, I do like that Austin Land had this this kind of cosplay, you know, uh, element to it. Mm-hmm. And although I'm not, you know, a Jane Austen fan because I've never really read it, but I was just like, I would totally pay to, you know, live for a week in, in something that I'm like interested in, you know. Mm-hmm. I would totally do that. That is really awesome. I mean, people kind of pay for it now when they go to Comic-Con and stuff like that. Why oh, yeah. not for a whole week? It's not that it's crazy. Yeah. 
So I, I like that. That was kind of cool. Yeah, that's something I want. Uh, that kind of reminds me, Natasha. What did you think about how it handled the the cosplay aspect? Because that's something you've covered quite a bit on your on your blog. I loved. I loved it. I loved that. You know, you. Uh, I, I thought that the the fact that there were tears to the to the admission prices i thought that was a little depressing <laughs> and that you know because she had the bronze tier she got kind of the more uh, the 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 more simple kind of basic outfit and, and then jennifer coolidge's character uh charming got you know this really elaborate dress um but how oh, i thought i thought that, that i thought that was great uh and that you know really you know inhabiting the character that you're portraying uh while you're while you're at austin land with with the clothing and you know being able to walk around the grounds and and um you know the the, the kind of the pastimes of you know the croquet and and all of that i just i loved i loved that immersion i thought that was really I thought that was really spot on. When it came to, I guess, the twist, if you want to call it that, of um, the stable boy um, being an actor, uh-huh. did you guys, were you guys surprised? How did you take that? <laughs> I wasn't. Because... I was. Okay. I, was right. I was surprised because I bought into the fact, like I bought into the fact that, oh, yes, so she's going to find love with this kind of simple guy, you know, that... Uh, that's not really part of the show and he's just kind of he's along for the ride but as a you know as an employee like i totally i i, I was totally surprised totally surprised I, I was still pulling for darcy you know that's the only thing uh, i yeah. know about these these damn books and i'm like no nope, he's gonna come <laughs> around so yeah i i was i was still in darcy's corner there um I also felt like maybe it's just their the connection with the Brett McKenzie character happens a little mm-hmm. too easy, and so I thought, okay, it's it's, it's going to have to be a little more difficult than this for her. Like, there's going to have to be something that she she overcomes. And it was interesting listening to the uh, the commentary for this because uh, the director uh, Jerusha Hess, mm-hmm. who I believe is married to the filmmaker behind Napoleon Dynamite, which I found mm-hmm. it's really weird. Um, <laughs> Good for him, I guess. I didn't know someone who made Napoleon Dynamite would be married. I don't know. He's ruined his street cred then. Um, <laughs> but she was saying that Carrie Russell and Brett McKenzie had such great chemistry together, but in no way, shape, or form did it translate to any sort of romantic chemistry because she said mm-hmm. that the, the way they interacted with each other was like brother and sister mm-hmm. and that he actually became so uncomfortable during any sort of moment where they had to like physically touch that it's like they truly bonded like a very platonic level. And so they said it made those scenes misery for him, which to me, you know, I'm just like, you know, you were getting paid to make out with Carrie Russell and it was miserable. (laughs) Why are you making it so hard on yourself? Like, what are you doing? Just a very neurotic young man, I guess. But um, no, for me, it it was just totally a pacing thing. I was like, okay, now this is, you know, she's going to have some hardships here. And so there'll be a, a twist or two, but yeah, I was, I was just pulling for, for the Darcy guy. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And his, mm-hmm. his, uh, fake sideburns that he had. Oh, he was precious. <laughs> <laughs> I also really like Captain East, the uh, soap opera star. So yes. if they were going to go with anybody else, it would have been that guy. <laughs> that would have been my, my dark, you know, dark horse favorite there to just ruin the whole Jane Austen theme and just have him. Cause he, I just thought that dude was badass. I just thought he was awesome. Yeah. He's awesome. Uh, that's Ricky Ricky Whittle, and he's on a show that I cover on TV Movie Mistress called The Hundred. And I saw him. I didn't know he was in this. And when I saw him, I was like, "Oh my God, it's Lincoln!" Oh <laughs> yes, please take, please continue to take off your shirt. Thank well, you very much. <laughs> well, Colonel Colonel Andrews was Gaius from Battlestar Galactica, yes, yeah, and I like I didn't yeah, I didn't PSG. realize it at first. And then I was looking at the IMDb and I was like, oh, well, that's <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> yeah. um, and the Darcy is on, he's on turn. So he yeah. plays, yeah. So they all, they all have a nice, I guess, Carly, after. Where can I find more of this Ricky Whittle individual? Uh, I mean, Ricky. I have to do some Google image <laughs> searches here. You should, you should. Ricky Whittle on the hundred. And he actually just got casted as the lead uh, I think Shadow is his name in um, American Gods. Oh, oh nice. he did, did he not? Awesome. That's, oh, okay. I saw that. That's yeah. That's, well, good that's, for him. Yeah, no, which has a lot of the fans of the hundred, myself included, a little nervous because this is another TV show, 
and he's the lead, so he may not uh, okay. he may not make it. <laughs> But whatever. <laughs> Good for him. Good for him in real life. Maybe not yeah. that particular character in the right. 100. So, yeah. <laughs> all right. So uh, I don't know if I should just you know cancel the theme there, just call an audible, and just make it a Paul Rudd versus Ricky Whittle debate. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I'm gonna have to That's... take Paul Rudd. <laughs> I gotta take yeah. funny over a great body any day. I don't know. I think Ricky Whittle's he's kind of funny. He's funny just enough. Uh, with that body. Well, I mean, with Ant-Man, Paul oh. Rudd now has a great body, so now uh, he's okay. like the complete package. Yeah, you're making it much true. harder. True. Very true. <laughs> Although, I, I, I'm I, a big fan of Doey, you know, of Doey, uh, Paul Rudd. Hmm. I know. <laughs> I mean, I'm, don't get me wrong. Ant-Man, fantastic, but you know. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> I'm trying to think, yeah, like more like Wet Hot American Summer type. Like, yes. Oh yeah. my God, I love him in that. Yeah. I don't know. You can't go wrong. As You're Natasha right. said, that man just doesn't really age. So he just no. doesn't. <laughs> uh, he really doesn't. Okay, so with this, uh, with the Jane Austen theme of having Clueless uh, take one of her uh, books and putting it in mid '90s uh, California, or in Austin land where we have a character knowingly entering a fake, you know, Jane Austen land. Uh, which approach do you like better, uh, just as a as a film, the the one that makes the Jane Austen world real and clueless, like that is their world, or the the fake sort of theme park uh, role playing camp in Austinland? And Carly, we'll we'll start with you, and please don't just say Paul Rudd. Neither one of you, Paul Rudd. Imagine clueless <laughs> without Paul Rudd. That doesn't count. So, oh, fine, if we must. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I. It's hard because I enjoy both mo- both movies and I liked both approaches to it, but it's hard to pick anything but Clueless for me because it's just it's just a classic and it's mm-hmm. done so very well. You know, um, a lot of the misses, the the missteps in Austin Land, um, I guess, make it a subpar movie compared to to Clueless at least. So Clueless for me, all the way, without a doubt. Actually, I'm going to have to completely agree with Carly. Um, just the just creating creating that world for Clueless was the best the best approach that they could have taken, and I didn't I didn't completely love Austin Land the way I completely love Clueless. Mm-hmm. So, agreed. Yep. Agreed. Y'all just making me sound like the the girl here. I loved Austin Land. I thought it was great. So. I mean, I loved it too. <laughs> yeah, it was great. We're not saying we yeah. don't love it. You yeah. made us pick. We picked. Yeah, I I'm just letting you know that if I ever get us like a VIP package to Austin Land, that you all will be in the bronze tier as my oh. my plus one. So um, I'll be <laughs> well. the Jennifer Coolidge character. Um, <laughs> no, I, I agree. That's with okay. You. That means I'll get to roll around in the hay with the stable boy. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's fine. I'm whatever is the Captain East package with the the soap oh, star. It's fine with me. That's what I want. Damn it. Good point. <laughs> No, I, I agree with what you're saying. Uh, with these, you know, with the format of our show, it's very difficult. I was just happy that I, I really enjoyed Austin Land because Clueless is a, a classic to me. It's something that I, I remember watching a lot and uh, liking with my my peers. We were a little bit, you know, younger than the the characters there. We weren't quite in high school, uh, so it's really hard to compare a movie that's sort of like I could quote lines. Like I, for whatever reason, my favorite line is uh, Elton's uh, "My foot hurts." When he wants to leave class, which I thought was like, he can't even be bothered to come up with like a proper nope. excuse. Just my foot hurts. That I don't know. That kills me every time. That's um, a privilege talking. That's right. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with. I also think Clueless. Just if if I can remove the classic element, I think it is a little bit more difficult to take uh, a Jane Austen story, as we saw with Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, and put it into at that time it was modern times, putting it mm-hmm. in California, than it is. In Austin land where they're saying, okay, this is a fake place. And it's just, you're just going for a, you know, a week's time. Um, I think it's interesting the way they handle it more so than I initially thought it would be, but I think it's far more difficult to pull off as we've seen with many Jane Austen adaptations. Um, Clueless may be the most successful one. I don't know if people will immediately put that in mind, but uh, this, and I guess the Colin first pride and prejudice. I don't, I don't know. So yeah, I'm, I'm still going to go with Clueless, but it is very hard for me to distance it from sort of that being like a childhood favorite. Right. No, definitely. But I think Austin Land really 
took the story of it and and the mm-hmm. the elements of Pride and Prejudice and and did a good job at you know remixing it mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um but i think just overall clueless just had just kind of knocks it out of the park so regardless of it being a childhood favorite for me i think clueless is is so well done um i mean i don't know i guess you would compare it's very similar to bridget jones right yeah, right jones so, much. so that would be a, a better comparison and i probably would still pick a clueless over that but you know yeah, I was not a big it fan of uh, Bridget Jones, but uh, I'm I'm gonna go with I'm still going with Carrie Russell over Renee Zellweger. So if if Bridget Jones had Carrie Russell in that Any role, day. maybe I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I I actually should take that back because I don't remember disliking the first Bridget Jones, but I remember seeing the second one in theaters, uh, and it just I just hated that with a passion. Like I just I don't know. So maybe I'm just yeah. taking I think I'm taking the sequel out on the first one. Most people yeah, did. <laughs> the, I, I feel like the first one definitely was, was a lot better. The Edge of Reason was, it, it just got a little too ridiculous. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. It seemed like they let the characters, sequ- they, like, backslid too much. Mm-hmm. And I was mm-hmm. like, I didn't really, th- I don't know if that first one deserved a, a sequel. Like, I sort of liked where they left it there. But, um, all right. Yeah, I think that'll, I think that'll do it. I mean, we didn't shock anybody by picking Clueless, but, uh <laughs> We we did manage to avoid talking about Stacey Dash, which I don't know where everyone's political leanings are. But oh, Lord. I, oh Lord, I take that as a win. Let's that... not let's not bring this down. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Let's all hide it, guys. <laughs> See, bring up Stacey Dash was like the edge of reason ending to this episode, which that's, I was like, oh, it's so it pains me that that Deanna's gone to Fox News, but yeah, oh, no, well. no, no. Let's talk about Paul Rudd again. Um, let's end yeah, it there. So... <laughs> Let's talk about his dancing. All right. So one more time for the people that missed it. Carly, where can they find you and your work online? You can find me and the podcast that I that I host, Talking Shondaland, that I pop this live, and and um, the rest of the shows on, on courtempearts.com. And Natasha, what about yourself? Uh, you can find my blog at KentuckyGirl.com and our podcast, The Rad Ass Bitches, at TheRABGirls.Podbean.com. The Attorney General says there's too much violence on TV, and that should stop. But even if you took out all the violent shows, you could still see the news. And so until mankind is peaceful enough not to have violence on the news, there's no point in taking out of shows that need it for entertainment value. Thank you. Uh, Any comments? Elton? My foot hurts. Can I go to the nurse? Travis? Two very enthusiastic thumbs up. Fine holiday fun. Hello? Was I the only one listening? I mean, I thought it reeked. I believe that was your designer imposter perfume. I dug it. <laughs>